Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. We've got some real fun and profundity here today for Song of the Soul. It's December 2023, and we're visiting alternative holiday music and musicians, some of them funny and some deeply profound, all of them excellent. We're touching on themes of Hanukkah, Solstice, and Christmas today with five songs and five guests, and we'll have another five next week. You are so lucky to have tuned in today when you'll hear the Rustic Riders, Chris Rosser, Joe Jenks, Peter Alsop, and we're kicking it off with Chuck Brodsky. Chuck's in the Asheville area of North Carolina. My first time talking to him, and he's joining us today via Zoom. Hey, Chuck, I'm very pleased to meet you for Song of the Soul. Nice to meet you, Mark. Thanks for having me on. You've been doing a lot of music a long time, but again, one of the people I just interviewed said, hey, you got to talk to Chuck. Are you all best friends, all of you musicians in North Carolina? We all hate each other. No, No, Chris Rosser happens to be a dear friend of mine, and I've recorded my last three albums at his studio. And David Lamont is one of my oldest and dearest friends, and a main reason why I ended up moving here 29 years ago. From Pennsylvania, I think? Well, that's where I grew up, but I spent 15 years in the San Francisco Bay Area before I moved here. So were you spending 15 years sitting on the dock of a bay, or what was this? I think only my first day there I sat on the dock of the bay and definitely whistled and sang that song. I was working on my craft. I was playing a lot of open mics and writing songs, but it wasn't until my last maybe two years there that I started to tour and do this full time. But up until then, I was doing a handful of gigs a year and playing lots of open mics and just working on the craft. I also understand your family was Jewish. Christmas has a different sound when it's not your native idiom. Part of my experience is grew up in Wisconsin, but then for Peace Corps, I was in West Africa in a place where maybe 10% of the people were Christian. So the beggars all said, bon fete, happy holidays. This is back in late 70s. And I had the opportunity of feeling like the outside person in that situation. And it was something to learn from. What have you learned over the course of your life, being a Jewish minority in this great, big, overwhelmingly Christian country? Well, it's hard to say that I've necessarily learned anything, but I I do appreciate that it's a season of joy for people. And even though it may not be my holiday or my belief system, the fact that It causes people to come together and share and give. It's a great thing. And we have similar customs in Judaism. I think anything that brings people together for positive reasons, obviously, is a good thing, especially in these times. Fortunately, your music is a source of joy for many people. What led you to write this song, this, you know, on Christmas, I Got Nothing? Well, I had just moved to Asheville, North Carolina, and our local radio station, WNCW, 
rate station, had an on-air Christmas party that they haven't done since, but they invited 50 or 60 musicians from throughout the region. So that would include Western and Central North Carolina, the Eastern part of Tennessee, the Southern part of Virginia, the upstate of South Carolina. And they invited all of us to come down to the studio and hang out all day. And they were catering it. And all of us were supposed to sing one Christmas song each and just hang out and be with each other all day. But when they invited me, I told them I'm Jewish and I don't know any Christmas songs. And they made the fatal mistake of saying, well, that's okay. Why don't you just write something? <laughs> so that's what I wrote. And the funny thing about the song is that I honestly believed it was going to be something I sang only once for that occasion. I didn't see it at the time as having a life beyond that or being as popular as it became. I really thought it was a throwaway that I was just going to sing for the occasion. But I had a local show a week later. And because this holiday gathering was broadcast live all day long, people in the area heard me sing the song. And when I went to the show, I was certainly not even considering singing it because I didn't think it was a song I would carry forward. But people were calling out for it. And so I played it that night. And I guess I've been playing it ever since. I think we need more songs by Catholics about not getting to eat meat on Friday. And I think we need songs by Muslims about Ramadan not eating during the daylight. I, th I think it helps with connection, actually, to hear what other people's experience is. I really appreciate when people sing their truth. I have noticed in recent years that's become more and more true, especially, I think, with regard to gay, lesbian, transgender, etc. When I first started doing this, there wasn't a single songwriter that I can think of now outside of the women's community that sang about these issues. The idea of a male gay singer-songwriter singing about love for another man was something you just never heard unless it was completely couched in language as if it were a heterosexual love. And I think that's just really healthy. I've noticed in recent years a lot more people are claiming their truth and standing by their truth, which which is a wonderful thing, I think, for everyone that does that, no matter what issue we could be talking about. Just the fact that somebody has the courage to stand up and sing about their truth is what we really need. You do this song with definitely some tongue-in-cheek, some humor. It doesn't sound like an oh, poor me, but <laughs> I'm sure there were days of oh, poor me, because I don't get what they get. No, never. We have our own customs and, you know, sometimes we can put out that we get presents for eight nights <laughs> if, if, if we choose that. When I was growing up, we had the option of one big present or eight smaller presents, but it's not like we were left out. It's not like we didn't have a holiday where we got gifts too. We just had different customs and didn't really celebrate what the rest of the world seemed to be celebrating. I think you look at it in a really healthy way. So we're lucky to have on Christmas, I got nothing. I want to point people at your website, which is chuckbrodsky.com. If you have any question on the spelling, folks, come to nordenspiritradio.org. Everybody can spell that. Again, thanks for joining me today with on little notice. I hope your mountaintop is a place of enlightenment, peace, and joy. As the sun wanes, nights get longer, and as we head back to the light. Thank you very much, Mark. I really appreciate you inviting me to be on with you, and I wish you all the best and a happy holiday. On Christmas, I Got Nothing by Chuck Brodsky. 
My family never roasted chestnuts on an open fire. We never went around the neighborhood singing carols with the choir. Never went to midnight mass or sat on cold hard pews. My family, we had different views. Well, I never had to be good, just for goodness sake. And on Christmas Eve, I did not try to keep myself awake. Listening for sleigh bells and looking for a mouse. Santa always skipped over our house. Jimmy got a train set with a shiny new caboose. Billy an erector set with nuts and bolts and screws. Tammy got a kit for making cheese fondues. But on Christmas, I got nothing, cause we were Jews. I never put up trimmings, cause I never had a tree. I would not know a mistletoe from a torpedo's knee. Never sat on Santa's lap, but hey, if Jesus was a Jew, wouldn't that make Santa be one too? I used to hate when it was cold enough for Christmas to be white. Never hung a wreath of holly, never struck the arbor lights. Some of the houses look so pretty, but the electricity they must have used. Now we lit candles Cause we were Jews And I got a bright red pair of kangaroo shoes Kathy got some soaps and an assortment of shampoos Even Buffy's dingo got some brand new rawhide shoes But on Christmas, I got nothing Cause we were Jews Well, sometimes we eat chicken Sometimes we ate lamb Sometimes we ate corned beef But we never had a ham Never did like eggnog Or those wine and cider brews We drank Manischewitz Ugh. Cause we were Jews Jenny got a bike She had to wait till spring to use Tommy from across the street He got his front tooth Joshua got a horn So he learned to play the blues Horns I already had some I hope you enjoyed that song by Chuck Brodsky. On Christmas, I Got Nothing. First up in our holiday sampler of 2023, let's dash on to our next guest, a longtime favorite of mine, Peter Alsop, on Zoom from out there in Balmy, California. Peter, great to have you back for the gazillionth time. I think it's been 10 full hours and another eight times or something I featured your music. So welcome back to Song of the Soul. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. Nice to see you. I know that you don't get much chance to celebrate the winter holidays like I do here in Wisconsin, because California just is sorely lacking in snow in your area where you live. Do you enjoy the seasons much? Is this a big deal for you? Uh, yeah, I, I love the idea of it. But like so many things that we do in our country, the reality of the situation, the things that we're saying are wonderful heart things. And then sometimes our behaviors don't match very well. The thing that you love as a kid and that I like as a grandparent is getting things for people, even things like the Santa story, which is about someone that used to lived in where Turkey is now, I guess there was St. Nicholas that gave money to the poor family so they didn't have to sell their children. And that whole story 
at some point or other, Mark, it doesn't make a difference if the story is true or not. If the story lifts you in some way that you go, it doesn't have to be true. It's a really nice story. You know, I could find other stories that have the same theme that I know are true because of real people that do wonderful things with big hearts, you know? When I hit 50, my wife and I, like, we're not at the same time hit 50, but we both are going, I don't need any more stuff. And all these presents that you get are because somebody, a lot of times they want to present you with something. How do you deal with that when I have so much stuff? I don't need to have things, but I would rather just have somebody find me a nice stone and tell, make up a story about it. And I've done stuff like that as well. I like to think of myself as frugal when my kids said, Dad, you're just cheap. You just got a stone and you made up a story. <laughs> but I mean, it's that whole time of, get, of getting together with people that you care about. I cherish that. So it's not so much about the actual holidays. That's one of the things that I was going to do with the poem we we're going to do today is about cultural appropriation of things, how Santa was culturally appropriated that cares about children and gives them presents because they just because they're kids. But then that was culturally appropriated from Turkey. And then it was culturally appropriated by the corporations because Santa was used to sell Coca-Cola and currently selling everything. That's mostly what the thing is. Go buy stuff. Yeah, the cultural appropriation, Christmas as a holiday in December, that was just put there because of the pagans and the Druids. You want to steal their thunder for the longest night of the year and all that stuff. So the appropriation goes on and on. Not and on, doesn't it? And it does, and that's not the essence. But there is a truth at the center of it, or there are truths at the center of it that we're ready for at some age. Actually, at the age five, I remember being in bed on Christmas Eve. I realized there's no way that Santa Claus could go to every house and deliver all those things. There's millions and millions of houses. This would not be possible. <laughs> so I said, but I know that Jesus could do it with his love. That was at five years old, my little simple belief at that point, as opposed to the love that we have from parent to child, which is the truth that's at the center of it. So... Each story can have truths in it, though we, it may not be the truths that we think are there. So the story you're going to share, it's from your recording, Christmas Holidays. It's the night before Hanukkah, and you read it with a kind of a New Jersey accent, I think. Do you have to work on that? I didn't have to work on it. The storyteller is not necessarily from New Jersey, but as you will hear, Santa has a little bit of an accent, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything else you want to say to us, Peter, before we listen to this little story? No, but we could talk for a second afterwards. Sure, we'll do that. Here it is, Peter Alsop, live, delivering you the night before Hanukkah. It was the night before Hanukkah all through our home. Not a creature was stirring, not even Jerome. Jerome is our cat, and he stays up all night, but he had chicken soup, so he was sleeping all right. Our children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of latkes danced through their heads. My menorah was burning and never expired. Mama was snoring, but I wasn't tired. So I turned on the TV and watched the light shine and rejoiced because the remote control was all mine. When what to my wondering eyes was produced but a miniature sleigh being pulled by a moose. An incredible shot, a remarkable zoom as the moose and the sleigh burst into the room right through the screen through glass all around. But I had the remote and I turned down the sound so no one woke up. There was no one to see that Santa was standing there right next to me. He was all dressed in red from his head to his toe, and he said, Happy Hanukkah, as he brushed off some snow. I said, Santa, you busted my new TV set. He said, Ah, oh, well, the moose hasn't quite got the hang of it yet. He's new. He's just filling in for the deer. You know, his name is Chris. He's just helping this year. Can't slide down my chimney. Is that because I'm Jewish? Said, nah, TVs are cleaner. 
Let me sue this brand new. I said, no, I don't do chimneys. They're really too tough. I got stuck once and once was enough. I was dangling there. I started to shout. The kids hung on my legs till I finally popped out. I was really embarrassed. What was my reputation? They said, Nick, take a break. You need a vacation. But I didn't quit. Not one of them rookies. Figured just lose some weight. Cut down on the cookies. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. He looked and he acted like my old Uncle Jerry. The beard on his chin was as white as the snow, but he had long white curls where his sideburns should grow. Smoke drifted up from his pipe by his ear. He said, Santa, we don't allow smoking in here. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head and his pipe disappeared. No problem, he said. I just wanted to leave your kids a few things. He sat down with his sack and pulled a few strings. There were kids' books and toys and a dreidel, of course, and a couple CDs and a carved wooden horse and some chocolate coins covered with gold. That's Hanukkah gelp, Santa said. So I'm told. And he fixed my TV with a twist of his head. I could leave your kids stuff at the end of their bed or maybe their stockings or a Hanukkah bush. You tell me where. I'll get up off my tush. He said, hey, right here is fine, but hey, I'm a Jew. Santa said, I visit Muslims and Hindu kids too. It's, it's Christmas, it's Kwanzaa, it's holiday time. Hey, could my moose have a locker before we start flying? We'd better get going or the speed will miss. Sour cream on the side and let's hit the road, Chris. Then laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, he shouted, here goes. Yes, people are people. Who cares where they pray? And into my TV, he melted away. But I heard him exclaim as he faded from view, season's greetings to all. Happy Hanukkah, too. <laughs> I love that poem. I love it. Not only because you got great rhymes, because you got great voice. When's the first time you did that live? Oh, Lord, I think it was one of the laughter and play conferences that I that I was doing for years for human service professionals with a group called the Institute for the Advancement of Human Behavior. So the story I was going to tell you was, it was after one of those early shows when I had done that song. This woman came up and she said, Dr. Alsop, I want to talk to you about that song. And I said, well, sure, what? And she said, you know, I'm, I really like the song, but I'm not going to let my kids listen to it. And I said, why? She said, well, I'm Jewish. And I don't want my kids conflating Santa and Judaism and all that stuff that's going on. It's that cultural appropriation stuff. I don't want them mixed up. I want them to know what the Jewish things are for Hanukkah and not... And I was thinking to myself, well, okay, I'm not Jewish, but I also know that kids that are quite bright that can keep things separate and there's lots of people that have grown up with stuff but i i went thank you that's great to hear and that's why i started off talking about some of the cultural appropriation stuff and she said so what are you going to not play the song anymore and i said no i'm still going to play it because there's a lot of people that don't have a problem with it but it's a great way for me to talk to my audiences about cultural appropriation and i said thank you for that yeah of course Well, you've been weaving magic and helping people find the truth and do good in the world for so many years. Again, I've got all kinds of links. If people just come to NordenSpiritRadio.org, search for Peter Alsop, you'll find the 10 plus full interviews I've done with Peter. I'm so thankful that you joined us today for Song of the Soul, Peter. My pleasure. Thank you for what you do. It's so important out there. And it's exactly that about the community that you do, Mark. It's wonderful. Thank you for that. Peter's website is peteralsop.com, linked on mynorthernspiritradio.org, and you can search his name and listen to the hours of interviews I've had with him. You'll be glad you did. We're just two songs into the first part of our 2023 December holiday extravaganza. Five guests and five songs this week, five more next week. 
They're all linked on northernspiritradio.org, along with all of my programs and guests of the past 18 and a half years for both Song of the Soul and Spirit in Action. There's a lot of music, a lot of world healers, and a lot of support from you, Northern Spirit Radio listeners. We couldn't have done it without you. Listen, post comments, and donate to support us on the northernspiritradio.org website and track down the 35-plus stations that carry our programs and share your voice, hands, and wallets with them. We make the world better together. Now on to our third guest of today's show, Joe Jenks, from just west of Chicago, joining us for a song of the winter solstice. Wow, Joe, it's great to have you back after all these years. It's been way too long, way too long. Thank you, Mark. It's really nice to talk with you again. It has been a while, and it feels like the world has changed so much since the last time we spoke. The last time I had an extended conversation with you is, what, seven or eight years ago. And we did talk a little bit after John Prine died, but it's been way too long since I got into the depth of what you're doing, where you've been doing it, and the music that's been bubbling out of you since then. What kind of music you've been producing lately? My latest album was called The Coming of the Years, came out last summer. It is a deeper dive into my Irish ancestry and family history there. I'm a dual U.S. Irish citizen, and I travel to Ireland almost every year as I continue to expand my knowledge and my awareness of Ireland. I just decided it it was really time that I put out a record that leaned in that direction much more overtly. I had a trad band in Seattle in the 90s that did a lot of traditional Irish and Scottish and Celtic music. But when I hit the road full-time 25 years ago as a singer-songwriter, I was interested in drawing people's attention to a broader set of my work as a composer and as a songwriter. And also, a lot of times, Celtic artists get pigeonholed into Celtic festivals or working in the six weeks leading up to St. Patrick's Day or whatever. And I, I really wanted to just be taken seriously on the merits of my songwriting and my work. But I figured into my 17th record over the arc of my career that it it was time. It was fun. So that's kind of where my head's been at on that. And of course, now that we head into the next electoral cycle, I'm trying to figure out how to put some music out that both uplifts people, but holds us into a place of accountability so that we make good choices. You know, it's a real fine line to walk. I think right now, it is important to note that there are distinctions saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter one candidate or the other, whatever. It actually really does matter. There is a difference. And however imperfect one candidate may be, there are clear distinctions between democracy and fascism. And if people aren't able to see that, at least we're really in trouble. So there's a very fine line that I walk on stage as an artist where I want to invite people into dialogue rather than be stuck in the dower, be stuck in the places that are difficult. I want to inspire hopefulness. And I found a way to do that, which is mostly by getting people to sing together and sing about things that lead us into that hopefulness, that acknowledge difficulty, but lead us into a sense of possibility. It seems to me in some ways that ever since 2016, there's been something of a dark night for our nation. And I challenge you hereby to write a supportive ballot, as much as you may disagree with Liz Cheney about many things. I think she's absolutely spot on about that difference. You said it's important to know her policies. I could disagree with horribly her father's policies, likewise. But I think she needs a ballad, something that we can say, whatever our differences, we recognize your bravery and your clearness of vision on this, and we want to lift you up. And I think reaching across that way with one of your songs would be one of the truly brave and healing things you could do. 
You've got such a wonderful voice. You speak with such blessed authority. That's my take on it. And other people are welcome to disagree, but they'll be wrong. (laughs) I somehow think that if you can do that, that somehow our nation can actually come together and put down the fascism, which has been rearing its head. Yeah. You and I may feel a little differently about some specific politicians, but I I will say that the spirit of what you're saying is absolutely something I concur with. We need, and not just for one politician, we need for an entire country to begin to grasp that we need to get back into a place of doing the business of the republic. Like we need to get back into a place of doing the hard work that is continuing to create a nation that relates to our founding principles of the people, by the people, for the people. I do really respect Liz and her capacity in the present time to speak to this issue. She's been pretty far from it in the past, but she seems to have grown. And if we do not allow our politicians room to grow, without just accusing them of being a flip-flopper or, you know, somehow turning that into a negative. I think we're in trouble. Abraham Lincoln did not run for office the first time on an abolitionist ticket. But once he was president, it became immensely clear to him that this was of preeminent concern to the country. He changed many of his views. I think his personal views were already in keeping with that, but he changed his public rhetoric radically over the course of his first term, his only full term. I think the country would be in a different place if the public had not been able to comprehend this change in the ways that he was expressing it. And I think what we're facing now is every bit as consequential. We absolutely need to allow... I need to allow as a human being for the possibility that people actually change and that a change in tone or a change in policy or a change in perspective is not just political gamesmanship, that it might in fact reflect a genuine shift of consciousness. And so you're right. A song is a thing that can help people embrace that. And I take your invitation to heart, Mark. I take the invitation to think about what bridge building in that context looks like, even as I acknowledge my own resistance to, well, I'll just say a certain cynicism. You know, when I hear a politician suddenly change their mind about a thing or suddenly decide, well, now it's time to be a bridge builder. I can be a little cynical about it, but I think in this case, you're right. I think you're right about Liz Cheney, and I think there are many others with her who want to see something different. Protozeowitz up in Wisconsin getting elected to the Supreme Court. This tells me that there were a whole lot of people in Wisconsin that whatever their stated political party was, whatever their professed beliefs were, they crossed party lines and boundaries in order to put somebody on the court that they believed should be there. If that is possible in the state of Wisconsin, it is possible anywhere in the country. I thank you for the invitation to do that. I will take that to heart and see where it leads me creatively. One little addendum to my challenge. I've been interviewing Tom Paxson this week. He wrote back in the 1970s, he wrote a song called The Ballad of Spiro Agnew. And it starts out something like, I'll sing of Spiro Agnew and all of the great things he has done. And it stops. And I'm challenging you not to do that in this case. <laughs> oh, my God. That is really funny, though. That's that's such a Paxton kind of thing to do. That's it very is. funny. Well, one of the reasons that you and I are talking today is because you're playing a song off of my Poets, Philosophers, Workers, and Wanderers album that is called The Longest Night of the Year. In some ways, that dovetails more closely with our conversation than the listeners might think offhand. 
I wrote this song initially as a solstice piece at the request of a Unitarian Universalist minister who just came to me and said, can you find me a piece of music to use in a service that will be a specific solstice piece, not Christmas, not Kwanzaa, not Hanukkah, you know, solstice. I said, I could probably find something. I could probably write something faster. She said, okay, well, you can write something if you want. And I did. And this is what came out. And it, it speaks to ideas of the solstice and of holding on to hope in the darkness. But this year, I was giving a concert on the first three or four nights of Hanukkah. I realized that it really, for me, applied very poignantly to the shape of the world right now. Standing in the dark, we light a candle as we hold on to the hope that things can change. I think there are a lot of people lighting candles in many different traditions for many different reasons, but there is a unifying theme, which is we feel the darkness and we want to create light that will shine through that darkness. And we hold on to the hope that change is possible. And that's, of course, why I have Joe Jenks here today, folks, for Song of the Soul, this special holiday edition. We're here in December of 2023. The longest night is ahead of us just a little bit. Some people are wise enough to use those long nights for restoration and yet to carry those seeds of hopes because the seeds that grow in the spring have sat in the darkness, timing their moment to spring into the light. I have the link for Joe Jenks on northernspiritradio.org. In case you don't know how to spell Jenks, it's J-E-N-C-K-S, joejenks.com. Right now, we're going to listen to Longest Night of the Year. Thanks so much, Joe, for joining me. You bet. I also wanted to say one thing that the bridge in this song is a bit of an homage to Bob Frankie, who is a wonderful songwriter based out of Peabody, Massachusetts, or maybe Somerville now. But the bridge says the promise of spring still lives within us, even when it seems so far away. I just want to put those words out there for everyone. Whatever challenge may be just gnawing at you, even on a subtle level, the promise of spring lives within each one of us, even when it seems so far away. May your holidays be gentle and restorative. And Mark, thank you so much for having me on the show. We'll talk to you again soon, Joe. Here is Longest Night of the Year. Standing in the dark, we light a candle As we hold on to the hope that things will change that love will lead the way Back into the light The heart of winter is upon us A chill wind touches every bone Frost grows on the glass as daylight gives in to the night But somewhere in the shadows we find faith That is bold enough to chase away our fears On the longest night of the year There are days that we remember When the sun shone brightly in the sky When all the world was new 
storm clouds passed us by But summer travels toward the winter Through autumn's colors as they fall As we strain to remember The sound of the songbird's call Somewhere in the shadows we find faith That is bold enough to chase away our fears On the longest night of the year The promise of spring still lives within us It seems so far and walk together not knowing where the path will lead as we dare to hold our hope in our time of need and somewhere in the shadows we find faith to chase away our fears Yes, somewhere in the shadows we find faith that is bold enough to chase away our tears On the longest night On the longest night Hope you're doing well on the longest night of the year as Joe Jenks sings, and I think his singing makes it better. JoeJenks.com is his site linked on NordenSpiritRadio.org, and we're dashing right on to our fourth song for today's 2023 December holidays. This is a fun and deep commentary by Chris Rosser. I hope you're delighted by Christmas in the Ashram. Chris is around Asheville, North Carolina, but Zoom can find you most anywhere. Chris, so good to have you back for Song of the Soul. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. How badly am I cramping your style? I mean, you've got a lot of work going this December. Not bad at all. Just uh, It's always a busy time of year. People trying to get projects done by Christmas or by the end of the year or studio projects or, you know, performances. and. <laughs> How much mastering do you do in a year? Is this a full-time job and then all your performing is on top of that? 
In a way, I mean, I, I still go on the road for a week here and there or sometimes 10 days, but a lot of it's producing albums in my studio. And I don't know that I know a number exactly, probably 10 to 15 projects throughout the year. When I interviewed you last year, 2022, sometime in the course of the year, I interviewed you and you shared a song, Christmas in the Ashram, when I decided to put together this year's special holiday songs. I said, I got to get Chris in on this. How did I skip doing it last year? So, <laughs> And then when I was talking to you before we got on the air, you told me that you're kind of acting as the house band at a local place and you just about blew my mind. So yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> Yeah, there's a great new uh, venue in Asheville called the Ayur Prana. It's kind of like Ayurveda and Prana, which means breath and Sanskrit, I guess. But they do a lot of like mantra music and kirtan, which is very popular in the yoga world, where people chant Sanskrit mantras together as sort of a mindfulness practice and also kind of a community thing. And uh, that's very popular at this venue, which really wasn't that popular when I wrote this song. <laughs> but uh, when I wrote this song, I was getting ready to go study Indian music at the uh, Ali Akbar College of Music in uh, San Rafael, California, which is uh, still happening. Ali Akbar Khan has passed away, but I believe his family still keeps the school going. Basically a traditional North Indian classical music school. So I was getting ready to go do that. And I was practicing on Christmas Day and all of these sort of like Sanskrit mantras got mixed up with Christmas in my mind. So that's sort of how the song came about. And I'm so amazed then that Ayurprana, I mean, you become the house band for that. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of, yeah, it's sort of a, I don't know if uh, a lot of them know about this song, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they'd be okay with it, but yeah. And because your background, I mean, your longest maybe thread uh, religious spiritual thing has been with Baha'i. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Baha'i, you know, they take from all over the world. They, they're accepting of all spiritual traditions is fundamental to the religion. Does that include, therefore, kirtan or something like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it basically that all the great religions came from the same source, you know, with different names is in a nutshell, the Baha'i belief. So... And that's kind of what the song is about, Christmas in the Ashram, you know, about worshiping with different names and different, you know, one may be Latin, one may be Sanskrit, and there's sort of a little bit of a mashup of that, but that ultimately it's all sort of worshiping the same source (laughs) with different names. (laughs) What you said, Chris, though, was that, and this is the words I've heard from other people too, that all great religions come from the same source. So where did the mediocre religions come from? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, who decides that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you celebrate Christmas in any particular form? Uh, we shape? do, yeah. My parents became Baha'is when I was probably seven or eight. So until seven or eight, we always had a Christmas tree in the house. After that, it kind of became something we would go to my grandparents' house and we'd celebrate Christmas with them, so... It's always been something we do a little bit. We don't do gifts with my immediate family so much this time of year, but everyone's got the time off. So I'll still get together with my parents in a few weeks and other family. Folks, I love this song. I love the way that it mixes the musical styles, the words, the images. It feels to me like this song is a blessing for the world. And too often, religion becomes a way to slap down someone who's not like you, doesn't believe the exact same thing as you, which as a Quaker, of course, that's not my thing. (laughs) 
most common Quaker phrase, perhaps, is that there's that of God and all. So it's very compatible with what you were describing of the Baha'i faith as well. But this song, I think, it looks effortless to me, the way you put the two together. Thank you very much. This feels like a great gift to the world. I'm so glad you're sharing it here today for Song of the Soul. Do you have any more Christmas in the ashram songs coming? Because I think you do such a spiritual thread to everything you do. I would like to think so. <laughs> I do have some other, uh, I have a new album coming out soon, and it has some Buddhist, has a Buddhist mantra in it, one of the songs, and certainly some of the uh, mantras showing up. <laughs> Well, we're so lucky to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. And again, this is Chris Rosser. His website is chrisrosser.com. Links on nordenspiritradio.org. This is Christmas in the Ashram. Have a good time with it and also let it go deep. From the west to the east They left their homes in search of peace The transcendental mystic yogi Took them in, he was kind and holy California to Bombay They traveled far to sing and pray But on the last week of the year Their songs became a little weird Singing, oh hallelujah Hare Krishna, Enoch Chelsea's day, oh, Ramabolo, Ramabolo, Gloria, Gloria, Govinda, Gopala, Om Noel, Jai Siaram, Christmas in the Ashram. be out of town this tinsel on Vishnu's crown someone hung a Christmas star from one of Shiva's extra arms there's eggnog in the black spice tea lotus petals on evergreen incense burners green and red Santa hats Unshaven heads Singing Om Alleluia Hare Hare Krishna In Excelsis Deo Ramabolo Ramabolo Gloria Gloria Govinda Gopala Om Noel Jaisi Christmas in the Ashram They sang Gospels and Upanishads, Psalms and Vedas praising God. Maybe Christ and Krishna are amused when humans get a little bit 
confused Singing Om Alleluia Hare Hare Krishna In Excelsis Deo Rama Bolo Rama Bolo Gloria Gloria Govinda Gopala Om Noel Christmas in the ashram Om Noel Jai Siaram Christmas in the ashram hope you love that song like I do. Chris Rosser is such an amazing talent and person. Check out more about Chris at chrisrosser.com, also linked on nordenspiritradio.org. One more holiday song up. This is a serious and unconventional song about Christmas in the best sense of the word. We're headed via Zoom over to New York State for a visit with Lisa and Klaus Meissner, a.k.a. the Rustic Riders. Lisa and Klaus, it's wonderful to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Wonderful to be here again. Absolutely. And Klaus, this is the first time we actually have you appearing on Song of the Soul. Twice before, we've had Lisa here. Is that just because you're the strong, silent type? (laughs) (laughs) No, she is the prime artist and mover here of our music. And I just back her up with some percussion. And moving equipment and organizing a whole lot of stuff. He does a lot of stuff. And he's your deep moral strength, too, isn't he? For sure. And he critiques the songs. He's very good at critiquing things. And he's also the sound guy, very important guy. Oh, important functions. Well, the music that we're going to be sharing here, actually, the two of you did a recording of it. Have you released it on anything? No, hopefully we'll someday. I've got a bunch of Christmas songs, seasonal songs I've written, but haven't recorded them yet. Just hasn't happened. And is Christmas a big time for the two of you? And, or which way? How do you celebrate it or not? No, we celebrate it pretty much. Usually there's a lot of things going on in the community this time of year. So there's a lot of things to go to. We have grandchildren. So there's winter holiday concerts. I'm in a choir that does a, just did a winter holiday concert last night. And we prepare oh, no. ourselves each uh, Christmas season with an Advent study. Is that with your church or somewhere else? With our church. So it's very grounding. Well, we just gave our grandchildren Advent calendars. It's the first Advent calendars of their lives, I believe. So, yeah, we're sharing that with them, too. But, you know, as Quakers, your song is particularly apropos of the Quaker point of view, though I know you're not Quakers, in that Quakers early on would refuse to celebrate Christmas for multiple reasons, including that every day should be Christmas in your heart, right? but also that the celebration of Christmas as it's practiced is actually a pagan holiday. Right. Right. The deep shame of that doesn't weigh on you as you buy gifts for your grandchildren? Nah, nah. But we keep it within reason. Well, tell me about the song, When Every Day is Christmas. I was listening to our local public radio station, which is wonderful. They were listing all the different organizations separately. They don't list them like at one time, but just putting in a plug for this organization and a plug for this organization, a plug for this organization at Christmas time. 
And so I'm listening to this, like, you know, as I'm baking and going, well, you know, wouldn't it be good if every day was Christmas? I think we're missing the message here. You know, what they're asking people to give to are all very good stuff, but it shouldn't just be at Christmas time. You know, the Quaker practice of it was extreme enough that there are notes from proceedings of Quaker meetings along the way where the people were called on the carpet because they were seen not working on the 25th of December. Oh, those horrid people who were not working and they were seen lounging about instead of working. (laughs) I don't think that happens at all for any Quakers these days, but you know, it was pretty extreme countercultural movement. Do you find yourselves as countercultural in any way? Oh, I think we, we'd like to think that we're the majority. However, we often <laughs> find ourselves frustrated with the majority. So I guess we're in the minority. <laughs> well, what kind of frustrations do you note? Along the lines of when I'm listening to the build up to the Christmas season, there's a big drive for commercial participation in order to um, stimulate the markets. One thing that Lisa and I have been involved with for at least 10 years now is reaching out to our congregation and providing funds to build wells in sub-Saharan Africa. Last year, the congregation banded together and we were able to build 10 wells. Um, this is of like 100 people. And each well costs $500. So it's pretty darn good. Congregation of 100 people. And what's nice is that it's kind of like every day is Christmas for those people. They get a sustaining gift. You know, I lived in West Africa, Togo is the country, for two years when I was in Peace Corps. And right around Christmas, they, did, of course, didn't say Merry Christmas. They say Bon Fet, Happy Holidays, right. that kind of thing. And I really felt the part that was missing that I was used to of Christmas, including the fact that it was I was sweating like crazy because I was on the equator, basically. What are your connections with Christmas? What does it actually mean in terms of your lives and your spirits? What meaning does it have in your life? Well, for me, you know, Christmas cannot be disconnected from Easter. And I think that gets forgotten in all the, and I don't mean the Easter bunny. (laughs) (laughs) I think that gets forgotten. And so in some ways we're countercultural. We like to keep the connection to it's the whole life of Jesus, not just his birth. Babies are pretty. Adults get complicated. Right. Right. And he lived a pretty complicated life. (laughs) I mean, when I think about the gift that we were given in God coming incarnate, it's just absolutely mind-boggling to know that we're loved, all of us, good, bad, and the ugly. Phew, that's a relief for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, we do have the rustic riders here today. That's Lisa and Klaus Meissner. They're in the Adirondacks of New York. You should catch their music. They do a lot locally, and occasionally they'll stray out your way. I was happy to hear that just for around this Thanksgiving vacation recently, they were nearly by me. They were 75 miles away, and we didn't actually meet in person. But next year, we'll pull it together. But today, we're going to share their song from back in 2014. This is a recording they made, a quick live performance they did called When Every Day is Christmas. Thank you so much, Lisa and Klaus, for joining me again for Song of the Soul and to spread this kind of music. Yes, thank you. And do have a Merry Christmas vacation. Thank you so much. Here's When Every Day is Christmas. Christmas when everybody cares No one is lonely Everyone's aware Of the needs of our neighbors Living far and near When every day is Christmas Every day of the year 
Every day's miraculous, every day's a treat. Remembering those who are gone and those who are yet to meet, there's no need to compare. There's more and who is less. And every day is Christmas, everyone's blessed. When every day is Christmas, everyone forgives. All the hurt and sorrow, everybody lives. Lives of compassion, free of hate and fear. When every day is Christmas, every day of the year. Every day's miraculous, every day's a treat. Remembering those who've gone and those who've yet to meet, there's no need to compare. Who's more and who is less? When every day is Christmas, everyone is blessed. When every day is Christmas, everybody eats. Everyone has a bed, no one lives on the streets. No one has to worry about how the ends will meet. When every day is Christmas, every day's complete. Every day's miraculous, every day's a treat. Remembering those who've gone and those who've yet to meet, there's no need to compare. There's more and who is less. When every day is Christmas, everyone is blessed. Christmas, we live as God intends. We see Christ in everyone, there's no need to defend. We have no enemies, we have been released. When every day is Christmas, we live in peace. Every day's miraculous, every day's a treat. Remembering those who've gone and those have yet to meet, there's no need to compare. Who's more and who has less? When every day is Christmas, everyone is blessed. When every day is Christmas, everyone is blessed. Lisa and Klaus Meissner of the Rustic Riders, website rusticriders.net, capped off part one of our December 2023 holiday special. And they were the fifth up today, but there's another six guests and five songs next week, including folk giants like Cy Khan, Tom Paxton, and John McCutcheon, and some new greats that maybe you don't know yet. Links to everyone are on northernspiritradio.org, so visit, post comments, and donate, and we'll see you all next week for part two of our holiday Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helpsmeet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.